You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Come one, come all to the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. This is episode 43. Can you believe we've made it 43 episodes? By golly, that is amazing. Um, this is the podcast where we aim to ignite the flame in ho- of hobby, or the flame in hobby, I guess, the flame of hobby in each and every one of you, and I am the aforementioned Pimpcron. Each segment, we are joined by a panel of different guests, and that's always fun. You probably know that by now. So, what are we getting into tonight? First of all, I have a little bit of um, uh, clerical work to do. I have a little bit of upkeep to do. Um, I have let this show run longer and longer and longer because we just cannot shut our mouths on certain topics. So, um, you know, originally we started out at 40, 45 minute episodes and then it creeped to 50 and then it was a solid hour for a long time. And now recently it's been like an hour and 10 minutes and the making and editing of this is literally killing me with my work schedule. So I am going to make a concerted effort to cut this back down to 40, 45 minutes. That is my sweet spot as far as how I like my podcasts and hopefully you agree with me. So um, we may not be including every segment every time anymore, um, such as, you know, there may not be a want that, want that not, or whatever. And, um, you know, there may not be a test track mailbox per se or whatever. Um, it depends on how long all the segments go. So, of course, you know, the next episode will probably have one, but um, it may not be in every single one of them because... Uh, you know, that just for time constraints. Otherwise, it just... See, you get to realize that I have to sit here and listen to the uh, entire episode. Not only do I have to record it once, but then I have to listen to the whole episode again to edit it and, you know, make sure um, Alex takes out... I take out all Alex's racial slurs. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, things like that. People... There's background noises and whatnot. So, if this is an hour and ten minute show, I am listening to it and dealing with it for two hours and twenty minutes every week. And that's in addition to everything else I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, that's not going to happen. We're, we're cutting this down a little bit. All right, so the things we're talking about tonight are... We are talking as our main topic about GW licensing and what we think about that for all their board games and their plushies and all their nonsense. Um, that's Loremaster Alex and Just James and I. We're talking about that. We also have a, well, here's an idea with me and Cronet about after-school clubs of Warhammer. Is that a good idea? How would you go about it? And um, I hearken back to the days of my magic club after school in high school and middle school, which was a ton of fun. And I also have a Get Brutal with the Pimp Cron, and it's my behind-the-scenes thoughts on kickstarting games and why I chose not to kickstart and the pros and cons of doing so kind of as a a pseudo industry insider. Um, and, um, I, I find it fascinating, but then again, I fascinate myself all the time. So who knows? Finally, we have a test rack mailbox for, with Daniel, and he says that he has a complaint about this show. So you stick around for that. So you will notice that we do not have a want that or want that not this week, because I'm just cutting down on time just a little bit. You got to give me a break, people. Other podcasts will actually take weeks off or whatever. No, I'm just still plugging away. I'm just making this more manageable. By the way, 
this episode is brought to you by a Patreon sponsor named Colin. Now, I don't know Colin personally, but he is a man of legend, and he has been supporting us for a full year as a badass Cryptech level supporter. And I thank you very much, Colin, for your support and your love. And um, he keeps mailing me these jars of milk, and, but they're never refrigerated. And I, I don't, I, I've been too embarrassed. I just keep emailing him and going, thanks for the milk, Colin. I don't know why he keeps mailing me milk. Um, and uh, <laughs> I've just got no idea. The least he could do is put it in a thermos or something to refrigerate the milk. Freeze the milk and mail it to me or something. Um, haven't tasted it. Uh, admittedly, I just throw it away. So um, I'm hoping it's cow milk. But um, he's actually a man of mystery. Most people don't know this. Um, he actually is a prized ferret breeder. That's right. He breeds ferrets. And that's a very interesting uh, thing. He's made quite a name for himself. He actually um, bought one of Beyonce's old homes when she moved out of it. And um, it's in Beverly Hills somewhere, I think. And uh, Colin, you know, raises the ferrets and whatever. He's actually got a ferret ranch in uh, Southern California, which is pretty interesting. He is also well known for finding rocks that look like boobs on pictures of Mars. So that's uh, that's something. And finally, he was voted the sexiest man alive in 1997 in Peru. So there's that. Anyway, sorry to smear your good name, Colin. I don't know you personally, but I do appreciate your patronage, and I hope I did not make you angry by uh, mentioning the ferret breeding. I mean, it's it's not something to be ashamed of. Um, also, thank you for the milk. I appreciate it. Anyway, I would greatly appreciate it if you could please go to patreon.com slash pimpcron and help support the show, even if it's a one-time donation. I know I'm here on my hands and knees like all the other podcasters begging for money, yada, yada, yada. But I do put it to good use. Just now, I am commissioning uh, cover artwork for the Brutality novel that I'm writing. And I'm, by the way, 19% done out of the 80,000 words. And um, that is... Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm currently using those funds for the Patreon to um, uh, commission unique artwork for the cover and uh, that might not sound very exciting for you but by golly I am super stoked about that and um, being the fact that all my lovely Patreon sponsors have helped support that I really really appreciate it so um, of course there will be costs with this new novel coming out um, and uh, the processing of it and paying editors and all of that so if anybody even one-time donation would be awesome and I appreciate it I guess I'll finish uh begging now. But as always, I love you all. Let's get this show on the road. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And for today's Tesseract mailbox, we have a letter from Daniel in Europe. Let's see what he has to say. Hi, Pimpcron. I love the show and have been chewing through back episodes, but I have a serious complaint. Uh-oh. I hate to complain about an otherwise fun podcast, but I just can't take it anymore. I hope this doesn't end our friendship that you did not know we had. Well, I'm pretty good at taking criticism, Daniel, so let me have it. Let's, let's have it. 
Next time you have Loremaster Alex on the show and he says, quote, asides the point, quote, I want you to box his ears. <laughs> Did you ever see It's a Beautiful Life? Remember when he was a kid and got his ears boxed by that old man? That's what I want you to do to Loremaster. <laughs> the term is either, quote, aside from the point, quote, or beside the point. I don't know if this is a phrase you people use in America, but you'd be lynched here in Europe. People don't take kindly to butchering language. Anyway, keep up the good work, but hit Alex. <laughs> Daniel. Well, first of all, thank you for listening, Daniel. Second of all, thank you for uh, writing into uh, facebook.com slash pimpcron. You can also reach me at pimpcron at gmail.com or the voicemail that's in the show notes. And, you know, I have to admit, this is another one of my complaints as well. People have little quirks in their language, and I'm sure I probably do, but I've always uh, made it a point to try to actually speak properly whenever possibly possible. See, there I go right there. And, um... Anyway, so yes, his asides the point really irks the shit out of me too. I uh, I completely I'm right there with you, Daniel. Um, no, that is not a phrase in America. We just don't we don't talk that way. It's just Alex. And uh, but otherwise, you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, there was a podcast I used to listen to. It was a Warhammer podcast, and I won't name it. But one of the people in that show used to say, instead of theirs, he'd say theirns. And he'd be like, yeah, well, they got their own podcast, and uh, they they bought their own codex, and, um, you know, theirns, uh, whatever, instead of theirs. And it would drive me up the wall. Part of me loved to hate it, because I would actually listen for it every time he'd chime in. And I'm like, oh, oh, good, good, good. Is he going to piss me off now? Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty funny that, that you picked up on that. You know, Alex says something else too, and I cannot think of what it is at the moment, but, uh, there's something else he says and it drives me up the wall. Oh, well, well, I do appreciate you chewing through the back episodes. Of course, um, we've got 40 some episodes backlogged now, and we're making our way to our one year anniversary for the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. So, uh, we are running low. This is actually my last interaction with a listener um, that I have stored. So we are completely fresh out of correspondence with listeners. So if you could please do me a solid and message me on facebook.com slash pimpcron or pimpcron at gmail.com and literally discuss anything you absolutely want to and um, uh, be like Daniel and um, suggest that I hit Alex because you know that's not a bad that's not a bad policy. Um, he could probably take some hitting more often than not. Anyway, thanks for writing in, Daniel. Let's move on. Now, here's an idea. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of... Well, here's an idea. And this is the Pimp Cron, and this is my wife, Cronette. Hi. Hi. And... We wanted to talk about a idea, and we were going to phrase it like, well, here's an idea. Okay. Okay. So what was the idea? Um, I think the idea was talking about using Warhammer for education. No. Oh. It was Warhammer in education, as in 
a club after school for Warhammer. I learned a lot of things at school after school. <laughs> so it could be very educational. Well, um, so let, let's go over before I go off on a tangent. What is the idea here? So basically, um, at, you know, there's tons of after school activities like um, uh, chess club or, you know, ROTC or things like that. Different, all, of course, all the sports, things like that after high school and middle school. And the idea would hopefully be that you can get some young, eager minds into the the world of Warhammer, right? Yeah, I mean, you could even have it where the club itself could have its own armies, and you just kind of rotated the armies among you, and you know, talked about the different they I don't know the different armies, and talked about um, maybe strategy, kind of like you do with a chess club. Yeah. That way, that way, the kids actually wouldn't have to invest anything, and then once they left high school and they wanted to continue playing, then they had to invest all this stuff. Um, it's actually take, yeah take away their college funds <laughs> it's not a bad idea though because it would keep kids out of trouble um more or less and it would um it would bring in a whole new generation of people to play this game now the issue with that is is like you just brought up children be broke children do be broke yes they do be broke <laughs> and <laughs> and uh so that's that's the issue there but like you said if they came out with um if they started and had like six different small armies and you just rotated, that'd be pretty cool. Or, you know, even the game stores could donate or GW could donate or provide. I mean, everybody's looking for a tax write-off, so that would be an option for tax write-off. Now, I do know that at some point, um, Games Workshop recently was talking about, um, they were, I think it was Girl Scouts, Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. What? They were giving um, like little kits for kids to, to like paint and... Oh yeah, there was a Warhammer badge. Are you serious? That you could get. Yep, and and I don't remember. I don't remember when it was supposed to be implemented or mm-hmm. whatever. But um, yeah, there was a there was a painting like you assemble your person mm-hmm. and you paint your little space marine, and there was actually a badge, and uh, it was Girl Scouts and and or Boy Scouts of America. I forget, but I, I'm assuming it's in both. Um, so that's actually pretty cool. Um, I swear I had seen that they were going to do some sort of initiative like we're talking about. Where they would donate, like, you know, starter sets or whatever to schools. Maybe I'm just making that up. I mean, I think it's a great idea for GW. Because if they donate them to schools, you get the kids into it early. Similar to the magic, you get them into it early. And it'll progress with them throughout their entire life. Because as me and you have talked, I mean, a lot of people who have started in Warhammer 20 years ago, or whenever it got started, I don't even know. They're still playing it today, or at least they are still having interest in it today. Uh Uh-huh. Also, you know... um. Not everybody's athletic, and not everybody's into chess, mm-hmm. and not everyone's in band, and this would be a completely different niche for kids to get into. The problem is you would have to have a teacher to be the one that would have the club, because usually whoever is the one supervising the club um, has interest in that topic. Yeah, so... yeah, someone's got to sit there with the little kids, um, or the high schoolers, whatever they are. Um, but, you know, when I was in high school, back in the day... Right. Mm-hmm. When um, afros and bell bottoms and, and platform shoes mm-hmm. were long gone by about 20 years. But back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK. I was going to say when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Yeah. But, um... 20 or 30 years prior to me being in high school, all of that was around. And uh, anyway, we had Magic Club and that was just as nerdy as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
You it was when the principal tried to purge your souls, right? Oh, yeah, the whole satanic panic thing, yeah. yeah. Um, no, he just burned our decks. <laughs> <laughs> it was a ritualistic burning on the football field, huh? Yeah. Uh, Weird thing is, though, is he shaped all the decks, spread them out into a pentagram. That's which weirder. I thought was very weird. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, we actually did have Magic Club, and I made quite a few friends in Magic Club. Kids that, you know, I didn't have classes with or whatever, didn't know otherwise, but I, you know, we all had an uh, obvious interest in magic. I so. mean, I guess the big thing, too, is how do you encourage kids to participate in this club? So you're like, hi, kids, you want to come cut models and paint them? You know, like, what is the sign? What's the poster you put up? Because you can't, I mean, you can't talk, I mean, especially middle school. I mean, middle school, high school's not so big of a deal, but, I mean, the lore and all that is not child-friendly. Okay, so that is kind of an issue. Magic, you know, kind of skirts around it. They have zombies, and they have, you know, cards like Exsanguinate and things like that, you know, where this vampire's being impaled. But it's not, like, overtly... I mean, they do have demon cards and stuff, but for some reason, magic doesn't feel... Super dark to me. I don't know why. Where Ma- Warhammer is solely dark. Like, that's like the whole point behind it. That's the whole, the grim dark is what it's called, you know, for 40k. And um, you're right. It's all, now Age of Sigmar has a bit of a lighter feel to it. So, I mean, maybe an Age of, and they use less points for Age of Sigmar, right? Um, it's, it's just all in all an easier system to learn. So then that so. may be a better idea for an after school club. Plus yeah. they come in starter sets a lot easier, right? Um, well, 40k and Age of Sigmar both do, but Age of Sigmar is a good stepping point, and I'm sure that's by design. But, um, the mechanics are a lot easier to learn, and the list building, the points are in chunks. Mm -hmm. You don't pay per model, you pay per, like, five models or ten models, and you don't pay for war gear. It's like per unit and stuff. Yes, and you don't pay for war gear. It's like, oh, they have either halberds or swords. There's two options, but it's the same cost. Um, so there's a lot of things. So definitely, I I would say Age of Sigmar would be the, the way to go, um... But uh, I think it's a good way to also encourage creativity. Me and you have talked to get about before about the uh, video games, how they deter creativity a lot of times in children. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because everything's just force fed to you. It's the same thing with movies or television. Mm-hmm. Like everything is physically like here. You don't have to come up with anything in- mentally. This is completely the image we want you to see framed in the same way with the music and all that. It's not like reading a book or playing a tabletop game where a lot of it's in your head. Um, you know, so I, I agree with you there. Um, it would be an interesting, or, you know, even if you didn't play the game, what if you gave, um, hobby kits to an art class or or an art club? Cause I was part of art club too. I was a real nerd, but I, I was going to say something I'm not going to. Okay. Well, that's fine either way. Uh, (laughs) cause I ended up with you. So yeah, you're stuck with me now. I know. But, um, the art, art club, I mean, that might be something cause sometimes we do like clay sculptures Sometimes we do painting, sometimes we do pencil work, sometimes we do stuff like that. And that might be kind of a kind of a neat thing to assemble and paint models. It'd be really cool if the art club did that, the assembling and painting, and then like submitted it into a armies on parade type situation. Oh yeah. Like a like a competition. Like or that would whatever. be pretty yeah. cool actually. That really would be. Um so all in all, I think um if they haven't started doing this, which I swear I've heard that they have, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, I really think this is a great idea, and I have many, many fond memories of Magic Club. So Warhammer Club did not really exist, but um, uh, my my interesting anecdote, the thing, out of all the memories that I have of Magic Club and all the friends I made, 
Um, in particular, one person really stands out for probably all the wrong reasons. And there was this really, really slutty girl mm-hmm. that did not play magic. Or occasionally they'd make her play magic. But she was part of, she was quote unquote part of the magic club. And uh, all she did was like hang around and, and get ogled by uh, by nerds. And uh, she she was in her element. She we knew what she have, was doing. We all have goals. Yeah. <laughs> she she said that, um, and I'm nearly quoting here. It's been a long time, though. Uh, she said that she was the dick queen. Mm-hmm. I overheard her telling some guy this. She was the dick queen because she could make penises rise on command. Hmm. And then I had a little bit of a, a moment like, oh, my God, maybe I'm the dick queen. <laughs> <laughs> I can make mine rise on command. Uh, it, it's like Frozen. There's like, you know, the movie, like she's the queen, but she's the only person like in that ice castle up on the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like you. You're the you're the queen of your own. <laughs> of my own penis. And the process that is involved. Yes. Oh, the my beautiful, God. beautiful process. Oh, God. You're ne- that's never going to die for you, is it? Gonna... It brings me joy each time I think of it. Anyway, so the, the goal here would be to get the kids in an after-school program and get at least one loose woman to join. Right? Because honestly, Magic Club, half the reason we all came was because of her. I don't even remember her name, but... Okay, so you just so, came to ogle her? So you need, I mean, nowadays, I mean, because women are getting more into things, so a safe, the safest bet would to have one really cute girl and one really cute guy. Join the club. There you go. And then everyone's happy, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know where you go from there. <laughs> you know, it's, I think you just find to just put it out there and whoever shows up, just go with it. <laughs> you know, I don't think you have to like hunt down specific like the cheerleader and the football. Although that, you know, just because they're in football doesn't mean they're handsome. But. Yeah, that was, that was really, uh. It was a big assumption. That was a massive assumption. You also assumption. assumed the cheerleader was pretty. That is a massive assumption. Because they ain't all pretty. No, no. See, Someone's got to be the foundation for that pyramid. <laughs> I like how you just smiled and turned your head away from the microphone. So there was no rec- uh, recording of you laughing at that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I think we're a little off topic. I think we are. Hey, kids, you should join Warhammer After School. Thanks for being on. Not a problem. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. On this edition of Well, Here's an Idea, I'm joined by Just James and Loremaster Alex. Hey, guys. Say hi. Two. I don't want to. I don't want to say that. And we are discussing um, GW licensing out for uh, their IP for merchandise. And what we think of it is a good idea, blah, blah, blah. Because we definitely are an authority on this. So uh, let's start by talking about, um, you know, GW has always licensed its stuff out before just for video games and things like that. But then they start dipping their toe in uh, licensing into more pop cultural culture things like the warhammer 40k monopoly set which i bought did you yeah um, it is 
awesome. And the um, leggings. Which I bought. I, I'm, I'm waiting for <laughs> Alex to go, which I bought, and they're awesome. And his voice is so high because they're very tight leggings. Yeah, I mean, it's constricting, to say <laughs> the least. Uh, M- more constricting than my room in R. Kelly's basement. <laughs> that was from another segment, but they're not from what you're talking about. Yeah, that's true. But let's just keep so, going. Let's just... <laughs> Uh, so now they're also doing those, however you pronounce it, chibi, chibi, chibis, chibi, okay, chibi. whatever, meme, meme, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, so yeah, they're starting to do collectible stuff. Now they're into pop figures, this vinyl pop figures. Which I bought, one of them. And, uh, Idiot. which one did you buy? The Blood Angels. Come on, man. And what, Space Wolves, Blood Angels? Ultramarines and Dark, Dark Angels. Dark Angels, yeah. Uh. So oh, now so, I need a now I need a Usark E Creed, <laughs> uh, Katie and Eighth. Yeah, well maybe he's dead, but who knows? Yeah, but I mean you, that still doesn't mean you can't make a pop figure out of him and get like a Color Sergeant Kell pop figure. Come well, on. you know the way pop whores out intellectual property. I'm sure they've they've got the whole thing lined up. Yeah, every Primark, you know, Fire Warriors, yes, Croot. Um, dude, you gotta tell me you wouldn't want a Croot pop figure. That'd be dope. I hate the towel, so no. I hate the towel and their fan base. <laughs> you hate the towel? What's wrong with you? I do not like the towel. You hate the towel, but play Grey Knights. <laughs> uh, just recently, but yes, and because Grey Knights are subpar now, so I- I'm happy to play them. Towel and their fucking drones. I hate their fucking drones. Shout out to our one friend, Mr. Hart, who plays uh, towel with an excessive amount of drones. Yes. Here's looking at you, kid. So, um, so let's start with you, Mr. Just James. What do you yes? think about this? Do you think this is a good idea for them? It's a good idea. I think they should expand beyond the board game and all the little games that they're doing. You know, uh, I like. I'm not. I don't really care for the pop figures at, at the brand, whatever. But you know, if they're making that stuff for them and people want to buy them, that's cool. Uh, and then this new, these new chibi. Uh, dolls that they're coming out with. Uh, not dolls. They're action figurines, James. So they were <laughs> they were gray from the picture I looked at. So I wonder if they're going to be actual paint painted. Don't tell or, me you got to fucking paint, paint that thing. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> uh, they could also be prototypes. So I mean, if they're yeah. just prototypes, they might be just gray. But uh, damn it, know. GW. <laughs> Anything to save a nickel, right? Damn. In for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. Um. So then they, yeah, they got that big uh, oh, Space mean, Marine guy. Yeah. Okay, so Loremaster's super excited about this. I Let's, mean, just because he mentioned it, I'm getting a halfy. So. We see it. We're trying not to look. Um, I'm a, I am mean, I love Gundam. Yeah, you know, I'm a huge mecha head. It's actually what got me into Warhammer was that I was like trolling around my hobby shop looking at Gunpla, and then I saw the third edition starter set where it had the Space Marines fighting the Dark Eldar. And that's actually what got me into Warhammer. Mm. Um, but uh, I love building Gundams and building Gunpla, and I do a lot of scratch building. And uh, our friend, Mr. Hoffman, he uh, is a big Gundam guy. We were just actually just discussing his new kit he got. And uh, we're both salivating at the idea of getting this kit because, uh, you know, I'm a scratch builder, so I definitely wanted to try to incorporate parts of it into a Gundam. <laughs> Although, is this the same scale? Because you, didn't you say it was like a foot tall or something stupid? Yeah, they had a little picture of... Uh, yeah, one by 144 is our foot tall. 
Are they? Yeah. Of the the uh, space marine, the the primary space marine, and then the the doll, the figure next to him. Now I'm assuming they have to be painted. This will have to be painted. This big kit. No. Uh, from what it looks like, they're talking about it being gray, and with uh, transfer decals for for the different chapters. So. Which yeah, is easy because so. I mean when I paint gunpla, that's that's pretty simple too. All you got because it's all snapped together. Yeah. Which is one of the things I love too. No glue needed. And uh, what you do is you just got to put them on pegs, prime it, whatever prime you want to do. Usually I, I, I say prime it white or gray, paint whatever uh, color you want to do, and then of course add your detail color with a you know a decent sized brush, and then you slap on the decal, and boom, you got what you got, you know. Well, um, for once, I'm actually kind of excited about that. Um, I mean, that's kind of like having one of those busts, but you're not paying 100 Well, okay, I don't know the price tag yet. This model kit's probably $150, but... I'm, I'm hoping Bandai gets control over the pricing, because if Bandai has control of the pricing, I'm betting like 40 bucks tops. Okay, I got a dumb question. Uh, Bandai owns the rights to Gundam, or made Gundam, or their model kit? What is Bandai exactly? I've heard that name, but... Well, Bandai is kind of a conglomerate, but what they do is they they helped uh, establish Gundam the series, and they predominantly built the toys. Sunrise handled you know, most of the animation and stuff for the series, but what Bandai does is they specifically produce kits. Oh, all okay. the model kits and all that for Gundam is goes through Bandai. I'm kind of surprised, though, that GW wouldn't just make their own model kit. I mean, they already make model kits. Why not just make a larger model kit? Well, yeah, one, I, I, I assume probably Bandai's got some kind of copyright over the snap-together system or how they assemble their kits or produce their product. No, I can't imagine that. That's well, you never know. I mean, think about how many snap-together model cars and things there are. They're yeah, not... but that's why Gunpla, it said built in Japan, because they they have a corner on that market, and everybody makes a bootleg of it. Bandai attacks with, like... But it's funny, because GW's even releasing sets now that are snap-together, essentially. Yeah. I mean, all the starter sets are, are peg and hole. I mean... True, yeah. true. So I'm shocked that, you know, if they can make a, um, a Necron Obelisk or something freaking huge, why can't they just make this? The only thing I could think of is that they want to team up with Bandai be because of Bandai's fan base and specifically in Japan. Yeah, so maybe that, and you know, they're releasing a lot of those. Um, before we ever got this little booster box, Space, Space Marine Marines. Heroes. Yep. Yeah. They released in Japan for some reason. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I kind of see that. Um. All in all, what do you think about them um, having their IP out in the air more? I'm ecstatic. Uh, as somebody who's played the game for a very long time and have constantly shook my fist at Games Workshop for being archaic in their operations. I thought you were going to say R. Kelly again. R. Kelly, yeah. Well, yeah, Freudian, <laughs> for pissing Freudian slip. <laughs> for pissing on 14-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 14-year-olds like me. <laughs> Good lord. A lot of people find it at 14. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... Anyway, uh, my back to the subject of the matter. Uh, you know, constantly shaking my fist at Games Workshop for being archaic in the way that they operate, you know? Yeah. Like uh, when Dominatus came out, which was a fan-made sh- fan, fan film in Germany. You know, Dominatus put their own money up. They're not, they were going to give it out for free. There was going to be no profit made. Games Workshop, at the last minute, slapped them with a cease and desist after they finished production, spent all the money on the movie. Sure, but, you know, um, that's a touchy subject because um, a lot of courts, especially in the U.S., I'm assuming U.K. is similar, you have to actively protect your copyright or 
then they can say, well, it's 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 free use now because you didn't actively protect it. You didn't seek out and and you know squash everybody who uses it. And honestly, they do own the rights to Warhammer. So if you're gonna make, I mean, I can't. You know, people people start making Pimcron stuff. Well, guess what? I mean, you can't do that because someone else owns it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I don't blame them. I know they seem like assholes for the, the cease and desist stuff, but well, I mean, also they, they gotta protect it. Pricing. I don't get me started about all that. Um, th- there's a lot of stuff that they've done in the past. That I'm just not. I wasn't very happy with, but I'm glad to see that they're finally kind of starting to spread their fingers out more. And I'm I'm hoping that this grows into more. Like I want to see like you know Catch and Jungle Fighter flak jackets being produced. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a life like you could get online from like a retail store or something yeah. like that. With like all the cool you know logos and stuff like that. You gotta admit that'd Emperor be dope. protects condoms. Yeah, protects think about that. Condoms. Yeah, we've all seen that meme. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I'm saying like you know you could you could go you could go ham with them I and mean, look. Um, Look at my our last thing that we did when we were talking about things we would do if we were in charge. Using our condoms, you're just like a guardsman. You last 30 seconds. <laughs> That's their tagline. That's the moneymaker right there. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I was waiting for a joke. <laughs> James has known me too long. <laughs> uh, James is like another fucking stupid joke. Go ahead. <laughs> do it. Well, like I was also saying, you know... When we were talking about if we were in charge of Games Workshop, what would we do? Uh-huh. And I was just talking about you know video games. I was talking about more video games, different types of video games, and then eventually like go into uh, entertainment. You know what I mean? I want to see I want to see HBO release a Warhammer based TV series. Sure. You know what I mean? Game of Thrones is ending. We got two episodes left, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I just carbon, I just carbon dated this episode. But yeah, besides the point, uh, I think what they should do is come out with uh, Halloween costumes. Space Marine Halloween, man. Once they hit that critical mass, you know it's in the the um yeah the well, it's just like it's can't think of the word, but in the ether of yeah, yeah. of society. Um, also, in I would like culture. to see yeah. uh non imperial stuff. Hey, fuck you, <laughs> please. Heretic the Imperium is everything. <laughs> Um, no, I agree with you. No, I want a WWE character to be a space marine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Com- Batista as Robote Gilliman. <laughs> Commissar Fucklaw rolls in <laughs> to give you the elbow of the emperor. <laughs> Castle um, and Creed. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> they could. Woo. <laughs> Shit, I wasn't ready for that. Go ahead. Good. Uh, are you are you done? Yes, yeah. we're done. All right. Um. Candy. They should come out with candy. <laughs> Chocolate Space Marines, you know? This tastes like orcs. I saw uh, somebody spray-painted uh, Space Marines brown that looked like chocolate. I think it was for a video where they like actually ate it. And uh, I was like, oh, why don't they just do that with... They got molds and stuff. Why don't they just do that with uh, like candy? Gummies. Like Honestly. Space Marine gummies? Like That'd be yeah. kind of cool. Like I know, we're, I know it sounds kind of silly, but th- the thing is, you look at it this way. This is what Marvel did. Yeah, you know, Marvel stuck their fingers out and started to expand their IPs the from just computer. Okay, stuck their dick out. What do you want me to say? I mean, it's stuck, all about the dicks. Stuck out an appendage or whatever. Um, from comic books, they they started making clothing. They started, 
you know, they started making shows more than just cartoons. They started they they took a chance with John Favreau and Iron Man, and now look at it. Yeah, it's all shit. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, that's a joke. Yeah, I, I know. What you're I talking think about. Endgame broke the one billion dollar number in gross in the first week. I'm not surprised. So I mean, we're looking at game. This is Games Workshop looking at something that worked. You know, they've got the ground. Just like Marvel had all their backlog of characters and ideas and stories, I mean, we're seeing Games Workshop step forward and try to do the same thing. And why should we shit on them for trying to do that? Yeah, and ultimately, you know, they're making money. All right. this merchandising is just pure money for them. I mean, and it's and it's uh, what's the word? Uh, publicity. Yeah, and you know, it's like I said, it's it's pure money. So these other companies buy the rights to be able to make the model kit or whatever. Yeah, and they're literally just getting a paycheck. I mean, right. using their IP. So I guarantee also... you, Games Workshop didn't have to do anything with those pop figures. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, another thing, they should come out with board games. Yeah, like if they read it a classic, like Star Space Wars. Crusade. Yeah. Fuck off. Uh, but you know what? Another thing too is the more it gets out in, into the ether, you know, you see D and D. I love the, Space Crusade. The resurgence of D and D and all that, and more women and and all that get into it. It's actually kind of funny because all these things that start out exclusively male, pretty much. It seems like once women, like women, are a good indicator. Uh oh. Once women start joining it. It's kind of a good indicator that it's getting into the the realm of the social pop culture, yeah, pop culture where people social normity more people know about it, right? You know, and um, it's it's pretty cool. Like D and D's having its huge res- resurgence, and it's showing, oh wow, that's really in society. People know about it, yeah, because people from all walks of life are joining it. It's not just dudes, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, I don't know if you heard about this, but apparently in um. In California prison system, they introduced Dungeons and Dragons as like a uh, as a form of extracurricular for inmates. It's a cool idea, except if you think normal people act like murder hobos, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think actual murder hobos act like? <laughs> okay, okay, Todd, it's your turn. What does your alchemist do? I fucking strangle her. No, no. <laughs> After no. I'm done banging my crack hose, I go and produce more crack. <laughs> no, I mean, but I'm saying like it's a serious note. It's it's a cool concept. It's a cool idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think we're going to eventually have, you know, inmates making Warhammer models because it's all fun and games. You don't know. So you give an inmate an exacto knife. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It's going to be a lot of shivings. Yes. It, yeah. But, uh, uh, not to mention just spiky bits. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. So anyway, I think we all agree that this is a good thing. And hopefully the more people that get into it, the more popular it is. And the more money they make, and the more money they make, the more things they add to the game. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, um, don't be fooled by the rocks. Don't be fooled Uh, by the... Stop that. Um, (laughs) Don't be fooled by the rocks that they got they're still they're still a games workshop from the block they should so are you they trying to so the much block? stuff they used to have a little they could go outside of the actual no 40k game and they know where they came and from don't let me just fall. actually stop right. stop with the actual 40k game and or age sigmar as well you know and just do all the other stuff it's true yeah kind of like how marvel comics you know nobody buys comics anymore yeah nobody buys comics anymore yeah where have all the comic <laughs> nerds gone? All right. Do, do, do. Bye. Do, do, do.
Let's get brutal. Welcome to another edition of Let's Get Brutal with the Pimp Cron, where we discuss my free rules 28mm skirmish war game and you use your own models in it called Brutality Skirmish War Game. And I wanted to bring up the point behind the theory of is Kickstarter really ruining this uh, whole genre of skirmish war games? And the reason why I bring this up is because I have a bit of, you know, uh, experience pondering this whole thing. Because, you know, partially the reason why I started Brutality Skirmish War Game is because I had so many Kickstartered games with miniatures that I never ever played with. And I felt terrible about it because, you know, I mean, that's technically money that could be spent elsewhere and I had all these spurs sitting around. So what I did instead was uh, I decided, well, you know what, what if I made a game where you could use whatever models you wanted? And that's where Brutality originated from is because I wanted to use my Wild West Exodus models that I kickstarted and never used. Um, I wanted to use my, um, uh, what is it called? Is it Galaxy's Edge? I forget what it's called. Um, I kickstarted and never used. I wanted to use my Dead Zone that I kickstarted and never used and all that. So this gave me a perfect example to be creative and, uh, perfect avenue, I mean, to be creative and do something that I wanted to do and make a game that was perfect for me and how I wanted to play games. But I did a lot of soul searching in thinking about this. I thought, well, should I Kickstarter this game? Do I need to sell models? You know, what exactly is the situation here? And, you know, when you start looking at it, Kickstarter is a huge, awesome platform that really helps independent, um, you know, game manufacturers get their product out there and they don't need the whole, you know, manufacturing process or, or what I mean, the distributors and things like they used to. Um, you know, it really has empowered the little guy compared to um, needing publishers for your board games and things like that because you just don't have the capital to raise it yourself. So that is all really great. The problem is, is that if you put a game on Kickstarter, you are literally a grain of sand on the beach. And how do you get noticed? How do you, you know, how do you bring something interesting to the table that people will actually want to Kickstarter versus all the other billions of other games? So um, sometimes you hear, you know, um, interviews or, or things like that in business and they talk about, okay, what's special about you? Why should we hire you? Why should we buy your product? Um, if I were to watch some sort of episode like uh, Shark Tank or one of those shows, it's probably like that. I have never seen them, but I'm assuming whenever you're pitching your idea, people want to know, okay, why should I buy your product? And, you know, it makes it really hard because, I mean, a, a skirmish game is a skirmish game is a skirmish game. A war game is a war game is a war game. A miniatures game is a miniatures game. Like, what exactly makes your miniatures game better than others? And, of course, you see a lot of miniatures games fail on Kickstarter. You see a lot of games that, um, you know, they, they might even be successful on Kickstarter, and then you never, ever, ever hear about them ever again. And, um... It's very, very hard to cultivate a community and cultivate a player base and um, just to get people to try your game. So part of the allure for manufacturers of um, part of the allure of Kickstarter for manufacturers is that you have a, you know, with the promise of cheaper prices and getting in on the ground floor of a new game, you have players kind of baked into that because they've already invested in it and people will 
do things if they have money invested in it. They're much more likely to do that. Um, I know from personal experience, like things like field trips or even trips with friends or things like that, you need that money up front. Because if you're waiting for the money that day, you're going to have people flake out on you. And the same thing with board games. And it's so crazy because something like a skirmish game is a little less uh, like, you know, let's say a solo game. Because a skirmish war game or a war game in general generally needs two people. So you're going to need two people to be interested in that. Then you're going to need two people to be in the same area in order to play. Then you need two people that actually will play with each other. And you need two people that are interested in assembling the models and painting them and all of that stuff. So it's very it's very interesting that it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Which comes first? You won't be able to buy your game, but if no one's playing the game, then they're not going to buy it. But no one will play the game if they don't buy it. And that's where Kickstarter comes in, where, you know, you like I said, you have a baked-in audience. They've already invested in it, so hopefully they will play it when it comes out. The second challenge you have with Kickstarter is that, sure, okay, you sold that initial round, but then your game fizzles a year later and nobody's playing your game. How do you get people to play your game? And that is the million-dollar question, honestly, because there's a lot of games um, that, you know, Cool Mini or Not seems to do this, where they just crank out games. They don't give a crap whether or not you play them. Um, They give them to you at really good discounts, and they just pump out games left and right. Um... So that's kind of an interesting uh, battle strategy there for their business. But um, I desperately wanted people to play my game. I really, truly think that Brutality is a very well-balanced game. And it's kind of free-form, and you stat out your own characters, and you can use whatever characters you want. And of course, it has a setting that uh, facilitates that. But it's um, I tried to make the bar as low as possible. But sometimes... I feel like people don't take free things seriously, unfortunately. So, you know, everything we've learned online is that, hey, if something's free, don't click on it. If something's if someone's giving something away for free, they're either mining your data, like an email or Facebook, something like that, or they're giving you a virus, you know, or something like that. And, um, you know, free is never really free. And it's interesting because I've, I've kind of... Um, I've had a hard row, row to hoe because I am literally giving something away for free. And it's kind of one of those things where no one believes you. And you're like, hey, literally free rules. And like, oh, cool, I'm going to get a computer virus. No, it's a PDF. Like, seriously, it's it's just free rules. And people are like, okay, what are you trying to sell? I'm like, seriously, I'm literally not selling a thing. You use your own models as free rules. It's been interesting. I think people are slowly starting to warm up on it. Um, we've had quite a surge of new people playing Brutality online and a surge of new people to our Facebook group and things like that. So that's heartwarming and it's exciting. Um, but it's it's just funny that this is a very difficult thing to get into. And um, that's why you really don't see anybody contesting GW anymore because GW was kind of the first big baddie in this uh, market. And even though they let their grip slip for a couple years, they eventually have, it seems like they've gotten their grip back on the the pulse of the fans. And, uh, you know, games like Mantic, or companies like Mantic, they kind of, you know, took up quite a bit of the market share, but they eventually, they st- I really don't think they can still fight GW, honestly. 
Um, I, I'm not bashing Mantic. I actually really like Mantic, but you know, it's, it's kind of like try to beat Pepsi or Coke, you know, one of the original things in the market, it's very hard to do that. And especially when you are a little skirmish game or board game or war game where literally a grain of sand in a beach, there's so much competition. And even if you have the best idea in the world, it is literally orgasmic. You can't get people to play your game, which is interesting. Now, luckily, you know, I'm known on Bell of Lost Souls. I'm known on this podcast. You know, I'm known so that helps bring um, additional interest to the game and people try it that normally wouldn't because they know me because of Pimpcron. So that's good. But um, I have completely done a completely different uh, route than most other games. And, you know, it's it's yet to be determined how well it's going to turn out. I mean, we've been public for two years and, um, you know, we have like 500 people on Facebook, which is great because there's literal published manufactured games that I see that only have a thousand. So, you know, that's that's pretty good. And I'm happy with it. We have a nice little community over there. And um but it's it's just interesting completely doing something away from the rest of the, the school of thought and um, watching them run the rat race. When I first started Brutality, a lot of people were like, oh, well, you need to sell miniatures, you need to do this and that. And I'm like, you know, honestly, I don't want that headache. I've been part of many, many Kickstarters. I've backed many different projects. And they always have issues with manufacturers. They have issues with China imports. They have issue with delays and all of that. And honestly, I am not a salesman. I don't like that sort of thing. And I would have been pulling my hair out if I had to deal with manufacturing. I would much rather rely on myself, depend on myself, make a rule book, and then just sell it on those merits of balance and creativity and fun versus, you know, oh, these miniatures have to look so cool. Please buy my miniatures. Um, so it is still yet to be determined. In the future, I may kickstart the rule book. Um, I'm slowly editing the rule book to suit being printed like a, a hardback or paperback book. And um, I mean, it's it's honestly a beautiful rule set, in my opinion. I've, I went to great lengths and got professional artwork and all that. So um, it, it's it's all ready to be printed. But, um, you know, of course, the rules will always be free. Um, the, the core rules, but um, the campaign stuff and all that may not be once it comes to it. Who knows? And um, all the supplements, I haven't decided what we're going to do with that. But, um, you know, like I said, it's it's not about trying to make money. It's not trying about, oh, here's a computer virus or something stupid. Um, it really is just trying to get people to play this game because they wholeheartedly believe in it. And um, anyway, so... That is an interesting take that many of you people uh, may not have seen as far as the behind-the-scenes thought of my direction for Brutality and my thought process on Kickstarter. Even though it's a great platform, it has its flaws. And, you know, people don't realize the statistics of games that don't get Kickstartered, um, that don't get fully funded. And um, it's like, I think it's like something like a quarter of games on there get funded, and that's it. Three quarters of them don't. So, that's another thing. But anyway... I've rambled on long enough. As always, I'd like to thank all of my beautiful, sexy Patreon subscribers. And um, if you'd like to join the show on there, it's patreon.com slash pimpcron. And um, a single one-time donation or, or whatever would be awesome. And that is it for the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. We'll see you next Monday at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know you're excited. So am I. See you then.